So I've realized um, today is actually a pretty special day in um, horror history. It's a pretty special day to me, and I know it's a very special day to fans all over of this uh, movie in general and this movie franchise. This is I'll get into. Of course, that's what the episode is about. I will get into the 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 ups and downs of this franchise in a little bit, and as we go along, of course, but. Nonetheless, man, uh, happy 28th anniversary to Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice. I think it was released um, a year prior in maybe the UK or somewhere like that. Don't quote me on that. But I know theatrically in the US, it was uh, it was released 28 you know, years ago today on this day. Now, um, with that being said, Children of the Corn 2 is hands down. No question about it. Um, you know, my favorite movie in this entire series not my favorite sequel you know none of that type of uh beat around the bush type of shit this is my favorite film in the entire series i'll get to why that is my favorite film i don't want to spend too much time doing this intro but um you know i just it's it's funny that i had this outline already done um almost a, a year ago man i want to say uh when i kind of got my feet wet with the podcast and shit, man, I had this mapped out for so long, man, and I just didn't get around to it because y'all know how I am, man. I'll um, I'll set a specific date for a specific episode, specific topic, whatever the case may be, and I'll just end up. Y'all know how my brain works, man. I'll just it's all over the place. I'll end up doing something completely different, but I just think um, it's good that today, Children of Corn Two is celebrating its 28th anniversary because it was a perfect segue into this episode right here and i'm like boom i can you know that's one stop shopping i can bang this out while you know giving the dues to my favorite entry in this franchise now really quick about the children of the corn franchise uh if, if you are savvy to this franchise um like i am i mean i kind of lost my way they lost me as the movies went on i'm not gonna lie I, I tried to stick with it as long as i can i think i stuck with it up until revelations but after that, I mean, I saw a little bit of the remake that went straight to TV uh, in 2009. We'll talk about that later on. But um, they fucking lost me after a while. Now, like I said, if you're savvy to the series the way I am, um, for the most part, you know, there is little to no continuity here, man. This is not, you know, every horror franchise can't be Saul. And I say that to say that Saul is probably the only horror franchise i've ever seen in my life where the con where 99 of that continuity is airtight where it leaves no room for error it leaves no room for you to question and be confused about what's going on as far as the story as far as the characters and that's very rare man you know even my favorite um you know slasher series halloween has like four different fucking timelines to it so it's just like it there's the continuity is there but the timelines are all over the place man and you know same thing with uh friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street there's so many continuity errors but children of corn i feel like with the exception of one two and six the you know fuck a fuck a continuity timeline type of aspect of things they are unapologetic with how they don't give a fuck about the previous movie having nothing to do with the movie that that you're about to watch ahead of it um and i don't know you know of course it's bad for me because i'm really big on storytelling and continuity and you know reoccurring characters and reoccurring themes and stuff like that and just you know nostalgia from the previous movies i'm big on that type of shit but i don't know maybe maybe the upside of this series being all over the place is that you can probably watch any movie in the series 
um, and not have seen the one before it or any other movie in the series. Like you can watch five and it's a complete standalone film. You don't have to. It has nothing to do with four. It has nothing to do with six. You can watch six as a standalone, but it kind of helps to go back and watch the first one since um, John Franklin comes back to play Isaac. And you do have another character, um, Nancy Allen's character, who comes back. She was played by a different actress in the first movie, but there's a lot of continuity, like I said, in part one, two, and six. But other than that, we, we're, we're going to get down to the nitty gritty of this series, people. I, I'm, I'm going to try. I promise you, I'm going to try not to uh, make this episode too time consuming because we do have about maybe 10 to... 11 um you know entries to cover but you know i don't have extensive notes on this i I promise y'all i don't i didn't take extensive notes i took notes of the small things and i'll just mention little mentions um for each movie as i go along because i don't want to break down every single movie and just bore the fuck out of everybody but um you know before we jump into it let me say again happy 28th anniversary to children of the corn 2 best entry in the entire franchise um it's a it's a really hard act to follow as far as what i got and i'll get into that once we get to um you know children of the corn too um another funny thing about this series if i can note it real quick is that this series jumped off uh, a lot of careers man and there are some faces in here you will see that that went on to have amazing careers man and we'll we'll talk about it like i said as the episode goes along but um to jump start this off of course we're going to start this off with children of the corn the original 1984 movie is directed by fritz kirsch uh, is written by george goldsmith now this movie uh, stars Peter Horton as Burt, Linda Hamilton as uh, Vicky, John Franklin, of course, is the headliner here. He is the first. He is the template for the boy preacher, just the antagonist, the main antagonist of the film. He plays he plays Isaac. Courtney Gaines plays Malachi, who's basically he's basically Isaac's right hand man. But he, he gets kind of tired of his shit. And John uh, Philbin plays Amos. John Philbin, um, a year later, would be in Return of the Living Dead playing Chuck. Um, I, I wish I saw more of John Philbin in, in the 80s, man, but, you know, it's good to see him in another horror movie, because, of course, I saw Return of the Living Dead first, and then saw that he was in Children of the Corn afterwards. Now, really quick, uh, my thoughts on the original Children of the Corn movie. I'm just going to come out and say it. Um, I don't, you know, of course, y'all know these are my opinions. I'm going to keep it a beam with y'all. The first Children of the Corn movie for me is overrated. It really is, man, because I feel like it's it's false advertising in a way. And um, I say that because, you know, he, here they are advertising this movie and the movie is a decent film. Don't get me wrong, but here they are advertising a film to me. Now, I'm going to talk from my POV. They're advertising a film to me where, you know, on the front cover, there are these children you see hiding in the cornfields and their eyes are glowing. They're carrying all types of um you know, scythes and, 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 um, you know, just harvest tools of any kind. And you, you, you know, I'm under the impression that these kids are going to run the fuck amok in this town and just murder every adult. And they're just going to be like this murderous cult of children, which they are a, murder, a murderous cult of children. But you really only get that in the opening scene. The opening scene's creepy as shit because, you know, you get the kid, uh, I think his name is Job. And he's in the diner with his pop and, you know, the rest of the adults are in there and all these, you know, the kids either work there, the kids are either in there or the kids are outside. Now, what happens is Isaac shows up, uh, John Franklin's character, Isaac shows up. He's got that big ass, um, you know, he's got that big ass uh, a boy preacher Amish hat 
and he's just creepy as shit, man. He he's just staring at the window. He kind of gives the okay, or gives the you know the 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 green light for you know the kids to lock these adults inside this diner, and everybody gets fucking murdered. You know they're slicing people's throats, they're stabbing people with cleavers, they're putting people's um you know fingers inside of the 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 meat slicer. It's it's a low key. 1984 type of massacre with these kids killing these adults and after that you really get this slow burn type road trip of a film with uh peter horton and linda hamilton's character now i don't know if this was before or after linda hamilton did terminator but again a big name who went on to have a great career was in a children of the corn film and um you know you get you get bert and vicky just on the road and sometimes they get along sometimes they don't and then they you know they 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 come across this kid who's already been killed and they think they killed him by running him over i mean they kind of did because he was he was still alive but um you know it's it's just a really kind of boring film man it's not a bad film i i don't i don't mean to shit on this movie but i did not get what i wanted from this movie now the highlights here or when Bert starts fucking these kids up because he's getting tired of them, you know, Bert being chased all throughout the town. I do love those scenes where Bert is just getting a run, literally a run for his money with these kids that are going after him. And um, that's a highlight. Courtney Gaines is a highlight here because while John Franklin's character, Isaac, is the boy preacher, he is the main antagonist. Malachi gets tired of his shit, man. And he, you know, he calls him out when they're in the clearing in the cornfield and and um. You know, Isaac and Malachi are basically having like a, a um, you know, they're bumping heads. And Malachi, Malachi is basic, or uh, Isaac is basically, he's like the barking toy dog that's just like, rah, 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 you know, like to the bigger dog. And he swears he's just bigger than what he is. And he gets a fucking reality check, man. That's one of the highlights of the movie where he's telling Malachi, he's like, down on your knees, heretic, and all that shit. And then Malachi just throws him on the ground. And he's like, he's like, cut the woman down and put Isaac in her place. It's like that, that scene is cool. The end where Isaac comes back when he's been possessed by he who walks behind the rose and he breaks uh, Malachi's neck is cool. But, you know, the movie overall, the ending is kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not pleasing. It's, it's not climactic at all. Um, and I just feel like I, I just didn't, you know, I feel like I was uh, bamboozled a little bit with, with the first film, man. And I don't know if anybody feels the same way I do. But, you know, like I said, I don't hate the original Children of Corn. It's just a it's a slow burn. There's not a lot of violence in it. I know the violence is tastefully done, and I don't know if that was on purpose or if it was an MPAA rating type of thing. But um, for a Stephen King adaptation, this this movie is very tame, man. It's very tame, but um, you know it, it's it's not my least favorite in the series by a long shot. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit, but um, I just feel like it's just a it's just a lackluster movie that jump started the entire series, man. Um, that's just how I feel about it, people, and that's all I have to say about that. But again, you know, shout out to the original because there had not, you know, had there not been an original film, there wouldn't be eleven goddamn, you know, entries afterwards or however many entries were after that. Now, moving on to, um, you know, the 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 birthday flick right here, Children of the Corn Two: The Final Sacrifice, which came out in nineteen ninety three. Uh, was directed by David Price. It was written by A. L. Katz and Gilbert Adler. Now, Children of Corn 2 um, stars Terrence Knox. He plays John. He, he's like a reporter type of guy. Um, Paul Scherer, 
who plays Danny. That's um, John's son. He's the quintessential rebellious asshole teenager who would have got the shit punched out of him had he would have been my child, my son at least. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he, he's just got a smart ass mouth. He's very. Um, he's got a lot of resentment for his father, <clears throat> which makes for a realistic. Um, dynamic between those two you've got ryan bowman who plays uh i, I want to say micah i always used to call him mika but i think it's micah and rosalind allen who plays angela i, I used to have the craziest crush on rosalind allen i used to call her like the white holly berry because it's something about when she rocks that short hair man she's also in the movie ticks um y'all can check out my review for ticks also but uh yeah she was always the white holly berry man i had a crazy crush on her uh in this movie and the movie ticks but now Let's get into why I adore Children of the Corn 2. Now, Children of the Corn 2, whereas I didn't get what I was expecting in the first movie, this sequel gave me exactly what I wanted. You start off, you know, and Dimension Films had picked this up. So you get the, you get the, um, the, you know, rightfully so, you get those nostalgic uh, Dimension Films growls and those wails and a certain type of Dimension Films music. It was a certain atmosphere that they brought to their films when their films came over to um, you know, their studio, uh, whether it was Children of the Corn 2, whether it was Halloween 6, whether it was Hellraiser 3. And I know they changed up a lot of music with, uh, I don't know if it was like Blu-ray releases or on TV or something, but I, I love Children of Corn 2. It starts off with the town, uh, you know, the townspeople finding the parents that were murdered by these children. It's basically kind of like a direct sequel because they do mention Isaac, um, you know, the, the Mordecai and all the other kids that are in the clearing in the cornfield. They mentioned Isaac and, you know, how he said that once all the adults were dead, that, that we would see the truth and we don't see shit. And, um... One of the highlights here, of course, is the children, man. You literally see the children doing what they were, excuse me, what they were supposed to do in that first movie. You see these kids. Um, first of all, uh, sometimes it's not even the kids because you've got a crazy ass um, death sequence, two deaths, actually, where these two reporters are in a news van and this crazy storm starts. And you could tell it's a supernatural storm from He Who Walks Behind the Rose. And there's a guy who's like, it's like a dried up corn stalk goes across his neck and cuts his throat and he's bleeding out. And then his homie tries to start the car up and then this big ass stick comes out of nowhere and just goes flying through the windshield and impales the guy through the neck and then after they're dead the storm stops so it's not always the kids in this movie man which i think makes for a great supernatural element that the first movie lacked um now as far as the kids go you know you have uh, micah leading these kids um ryan bowman let me just say this man ryan bowman is by far the most and i think i've i've told him this plenty of times he you know shout out to ryan bowman man because he actually is one of those uh celebrities that will respond and interact with his fans on social media man i could really appreciate that because it's a time where this is a time where people these celebrities these big name people don't get a chance to respond to all of these sea of comments and dms and stuff like that online or they just don't give a fuck to respond but this guy has been very like expressive in how appreciative he is of his fans and he's replied to my comments uh, a couple times but shout out to him but i've told him man he is hands down the most intimidating um you know uh villain of the series the boy preachers of the series man he'll just give you a look like he wants to murder you um and then he'll he'll smile in some scenes is is really fucking crazy and if nobody remembers him he actually one of the main movies i remember him in was he played donovan in only the strong he's got one of the saddest fucking death scenes i've ever seen in my life and in this movie too but um you know he's leading the children and um 
basically the kids whether they're dropping houses on old ladies whether they're remote controlling car uh, remote controlling wheelchairs and causing old ladies to get hit by cars whether they're stabbing the town doctors to death with scalpels or uh, non, not scalpels with syringes you know there's a scene where micah is in church this is one of the highlights of the entire movie where um you know there's a guy the guy with the glasses micah's in church in the back of the church with a fucking voodoo doll and he's just stabbing it in the ear stabbing it in the nose uh and the guy just starts just bleeding like literally just his whole face starts bleeding in church and it is a nasty vicious ass scene man it's a crazy ass moment in the film and um these these kids are going for blood man and the kids you know they they rock out they're way more intimidated i if if i could change anything about the kids in this movie i would change the the um I would have them do a, a, a lot of chasing. You know, that's one of the things I loved about the first movie was how they chased down Bert. And, you know, they're, they're just on foot trying to, you know, do what they got to do. But um, the kids, the kids are amazing in this in this movie, man. They're 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 creepy as fuck. Um, I like the dynamic between Paul Scherer and Terrence Knox. Like I said, it's a realistic dynamic. You've got their love interest um, of Rosalind Allen and, and, and Terrence, Terrence Knox. There's a girl. I can't remember the girl's name who plays um, Lacey is it Lacey Hellerstadt? I can't remember her full name, but you know, the, the, the teenage son kind of, you know, has a gut busting crush over her. Um, it's, it's, it's realistic, man. And it, it makes you take a deep dive into this town and the people inside of this town. You see the sheriff is corrupt. The sheriff doesn't want, um, the character of John and chief red bear. I can't remember that actor's name. And I, I really hope I did not get his name wrong. Cause I don't want people to think that was a racist comment, but I really want to say, um, you know, his name was Chief Red Bear in that movie. They, he, you know, he tries to kill those guys because they they're kind of finding out that, um, you know, the fumes of that 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 mold, the dust of that mold is like spreading all over town and it's making the kids go crazy. Um, it's a nice little element that they added to Children of the Corn, too, man. It's got so many different layers to it. And I know it wasn't well received the way it should have been. But for the most part, this is how you do a fucking sequel, man, uh, especially to something like Children of the Corn, where you don't um, where it's, it's what you do with a sequel to something like Children of Corn, where you, you didn't get that the first time around. You want to do it in spades the second time around. So, again, that's why this is my uh you know, favorite. And again, um, the, the, the ending kind of takes you through the motions, man, because you know, the Indian guy, he, he's driving the harvester. He gets shot with an arrow. And I'm like, is that subliminal racism that the Indian guy gets shot with an arrow, the irony, but, um, he gets shot with an arrow and he dies, you know, trying to save the day. Then Mika is crying for help. And Danny's trying to, or Micah's crying for help. And, um, you know, Danny runs to save him when, when the evil goes out of his body and then he gets dragged into the harvester and dies. Then at the end, you know, they burn the, the, you know, the chief in the cornfield and his spirit lives on and supposedly becomes the, um, it supposedly becomes the, uh, you know, the, the, the guardian of Gatlin and all this crazy shit. Like it, it literally takes you through the motions, man. I love that sequel. Always love it. Um, it will always be the best one in the entire series for me. Now, moving on <sighs> already, people, we're about to be in part three and we already about to get into dark territory. Children of the corn three urban harvest came out in 1995 people this let me just say this and let me make this clear before we go any further this is where the children of the corn series started to lose its goddamn mind i'm telling you this shit went off the rails this movie actually disturbed me as a kid and you're talking to a kid who was a hardcore horror buff gorehound i could watch all types of shit here and there 
Children of Corn 3 did something to me, man, because I had never seen effects like this before. Um, it was directed by James D.R. Hickox. Uh, it was written by Matt Greenberg and uh, Dode B. Levinson. Stars, uh, stars. It stars uh, Daniel Kearney as Eli. He's the main, you know, the, the boy preacher this time around, the antagonist. Ron Melendez, who plays Josh, who is Eli's adopted brother. Um, Jim Metzler, who plays William. John Clare plays Malcolm. Uh, Marie Morrow, who plays Maria, who I always remember her from Family Matters. And none other than Charlize Theron, people, is in Children of the Corn 3. Like, how fucking crazy is that? And she hasn't aged a day, man. I promise y'all. If y'all go back, there's a scene where um, uh, Daniel Kearney's character, Eli, is preaching to the kids. I think it's when they're inside of the abandoned warehouse. Uh, or it might be at the... I think it's at. It's either that scene or it's at the end where he's preaching to them in the um in the cornfield that he's made in this in this uh in the back of this lot now Charlize Theron man she's literally in that movie man I'm telling y'all it's one of those two scenes if not both y'all have to go back and watch it Charlize Theron's definitely in that film now Children of the Corn 3 man um here we go with continuity this shit has nothing to do with the movie before it has nothing to do with the movie after it this could very much be a standalone film uh, there are a couple flashbacks to Children of Corn 2, though, so I can't completely say that. There are flashbacks to the town doctor being killed, um, you know, being stabbed to death by the children, but this shit starts off crazy, man. Like, um, Eli and Josh, like I said, they're adopted brothers. They've got this drunk, abusive, piece of shit fathered, and, you know, they live in, in, in Gatlin um, in, the, in the cornfield in a trailer, and the father's about to beat the shit out of... Um, out of Josh and Eli's like I can handle him you go go I'll, I'll catch up and he's like all right man I'm not leaving you you bet you know he's very protective over Eli his little brother little does he know his little brother is the fucking antichrist but what Eli does is he turns their drunk abusive piece of shit stepfather into a scarecrow like you know he he th this thing rises up out of out of the, out of the cornfield and it, it crucifies him his his arms are like stretching so far that they're <laughs> Jesus Christ excuse me <clears throat> mm. almost choked to death just thinking about it um you know his arms stretch across the 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 you know the crucifix the, the wooded crucifix that they start splitting apart at some point you know he sews his eyes up he sews his mouth up and he leaves that motherfucker up there man and he comes back later on in the film um oh, god damn we'll talk about that sequence in a minute but, um, you know, Eli and Josh, basically, they move to an urban area, the city area, out way outside of Gatlin, and they get adopted. You know, they get adopted by this this loving, young, wealthy couple. I mean, they're pretty wealthy. Uh, the, the dad's like, I don't know if he's a stockbroker. I can't remember what the hell the dad does. But, um, you know, the, these are a sweet couple, man. But little do they know, they've just taken in you know, um, I mean, Josh is cool for the most part, but Eli is on some shit. He's brought, um, you know, corn with him from back home and, you know, they're eating the corn and he's planting little kernels in the, in, in, in the, in the, uh, in the backyard and all this stuff. And it turns into a cornfield. It's one of the reasons why it's urban harvest, you know, why urban harvest is the subtitle. Um, but this movie, man, is, is, is wicked. If I can describe this movie in one word, it's, it's wicked as all hell. The shit Eli does in this movie and again, it's one of those instances where it's not always Eli, but it is Eli doing the majority of these kills. Um, you could have just easily called this Eli of the corn because I don't think the children do uh, any murders in this film. But Eli, you know, he um, he, he, he kills the not the lunch lady, but it's this black woman that works at the school they go to. 
and um you know he he he's he's like haunting her in the school chasing her down stalking her and she tries to light a cigarette because she's so scared and the flame from the cigarette flies into her mouth and melts her face off and all this other shit you know he um he you know the 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 mom you know there's a homeless guy who the 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 the, the you know these these ropes the uh, not ropes but god damn these vines come out of the ground and go into his eyes and he's just a severed head in the cornfield as kind of like a minion for eli uh just biting people's hands and shit you know he the character of um maria you know malcolm's sister he has dinner with her and her parents and the shit that he feeds them has bugs in it. They're, they're, you know, they fall off the table. They fall over the table while they're eating dinner and their heads crack open and bugs f come flying out of it. It's fucking nuts, man. The shit that happens in this movie is batshit crazy. When I say this movie scarred me as a kid, it was like the effects really kind of low-key scared the hell out of me man and there's one scene in particular man like i said we would get back to it uh the dad that got turned into the scarecrow he is very much a scarecrow at this point because there's a scene where malcolm and josh you know they reconcile their differences because josh tries to bone uh malcolm's sister and malcolm walks in on him but um they reconcile their differences and they know that eli is not what he appears to be malcolm knows it um, Malcolm, Malcolm's got that funny ass scene where he's like, look at this place, man. Where do you think everybody's at? This place is deserted. They're with your brother. He ain't shit. And, but you know, like I said, they reconcile their differences and I like Malcolm, man. Uh, Cause not, he's not just a token black guy. It's a lot of black faces in this movie, but he actually goes to get, he goes on a road trip to Gatlin with Josh to, um, find the book so they can, you know, stop Eli from whatever the hell he's doing in this city. Now, this sequence man uh let's get back to the scarecrow papa scarecrow they go to gatlin they find the book you know the bible the corn encrusted bible that's going to stop eli now the scarecrow father scarecrow he jumps off of the crucifix and he goes after josh and malcolm they stop him you know they cut him in half and they stop him but what happens is they're about to leave and go back to the city so they can stop Eli, but they they leave the Bible. So Malcolm runs back to get the Bible. And again, those fucking vines come out of the cornfield. They come in, they, you know, they, they, they stick themselves in his crotch. They stick themselves in his legs and his chest and his back. They pull him down to the ground. Now, these um these leaves, these vines, whatever the hell they are, wrap around his neck. And I swear to you, people, I've never seen no shit like this in my life. They wrap around Malcolm's neck and it's a crazy, wicked effect, man. They, they wrap around his neck. And what they do is they pull his body down into the ground further and further and further down into the ground while you know pushing his head upward and this motherfucker's spine you know his head his body is just crushing into the ground like a broken accordion or something while his head is just being elevated and elevated and elevated into the high heavens this motherfucker's spine is like 17,000 feet tall while his head is still moaning and groaning and, and making sounds like he's in pain it's one of the most disturbing scenes i've ever seen in my fucking life man it will haunt my dreams forever it's really hard for me to watch that scene and while you know you can tell it's a special effect it is insane the way they pulled it i'm mad that i didn't write down um you know the 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 special effects artist for the movie because he did a hell of a job on this film man and um you know the ending goes way off the rails it's crazy i don't know if this monster that comes up out the ground it's like stop motion miniature type of shit you can tell the effects don't for that don't hold up well at all 
Um, but I don't know if that monster is supposed to be he who walks behind the rose because in the cornfield, the monster rises up. It's eating kids. It's murdering kids. You know, it picks up the girl, meet uh, Maria and eats her and josh has got to stop it and uh you know it cuts the cuts it open and saves her she's all bloody and shit um and you know he he does end up stopping eli um but ch overall man children of the corn 3 is really where they started taking liberties and they said you know what we're gonna go because i think it was the it was the first time they went straight to dvd release i don't know if it was a limited theatrical release i wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't um and this is not my least favorite again, but this is a movie that I, you know, I don't just pick it up like, yeah, I'm gonna watch Children of Corn 3. Or if it's on TV, it's like, oh shit, Children of Corn 3 is on. It's like, no, I have to be in a mood to watch that film, preferably not sober. Um, I don't always have to be drunk when I watch it, but I have to put myself in a mood to sit through that movie uh, because it's just so crazy. It goes off the rails. Now, speaking of off the rails, this one is off the rails as well, but it's a little more grounded and it's hands down my second favorite entry and the scariest entry in the entire series. Um, I didn't think a Children of the Corn film could be scary for me, but this one this one is it, man. I remember I had nightmares about this movie as a kid. And funny thing is, there's a lot of nightmare dream sequences in this entire movie. That's one of the reasons why people really don't enjoy it as much. I heard uh, online a lot, but I love the fuck out of this movie, man. Children of Corn 4, The Gathering, which was released a year later, uh, 1996. Now, this was directed by Greg Spence. It was also written by Greg Spence and Steven Berger. Now, the thing about this movie, another big name who had who went on after this film to have an amazing career naomi watts is the headliner here she's our protagonist she plays grace karen black who is horror royalty she plays june uh um, naomi watts character's mother um jamie renee smith plays margaret who uh you know she's a part of the big plot twist in the movie uh samaria graham plays mary ann and she's super fine in this movie i i don't know what she's been in after i've probably seen her in something but uh i love her in this movie as the you know the she's she's the token black chick but she's the best friend of naomi watts's character but i love her character because when shit starts hitting the fan with these kids she's like check please i'm out of here like she is not with the shits at all but she does stick around and that kind of leads to her demise man being a good you know us wearing our hearts on our sleeves man maybe our demise at times and brent jennings of course plays donald I always call brent jennings uh lewis gossett jr 2.0 because that motherfucker looks just like lewis gossett jr um mainly in jaws 3 oh and uh brandon clay claylia claylia uh, plays josiah which it's a crazy t plot twist. Uh, one of the best in the film that they actually took out of the movie. And I'm so mad. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, Children of Corn 4. Here's the deal with Children of Corn 4. Like I said, there are a lot of nightmare sequences in this film uh, that really don't count. But I feel like as far as the mark they leave on me, they count. You know, you the beginning scene is a, is a nightmare sequence. Karen Black, you know, uh, Brandon Clea you know he knocks on the door he's you know he's got a bloody hand and she's like oh my god like let me let me help you let me get some peroxide and you know one of the things that they do to nod back to the original are or is the um the preacher on the radio because that's something uh bert and vicky were listening to and they kind of made fun of it you know the preacher on the radio that was just screaming um in the you know when they were in the car but what happens is what had happened was karen black is getting peroxide and you know some cotton cotton swabs or whatever for the young boy that shows up at her crib why she let this fucking strange kid in i have no idea but um you know 
she, you know, as she's, you know, going downstairs, she walks past a bedroom and the radio's playing and, and the, the preacher's on the radio, like the slaughter of innocent children ran the streets red with blood, red, amen, hallelujah. And it's great. It's scary. I can't get that, that, uh, you know, that, that radio voice out of my head, you know, from the moment I heard it. But what happens is the boy transforms and, you know, he comes rushing towards her. She wakes up. Now you find out that, um, Karen Black's character, June, she has, uh, I want to call it ag agoraphobia. Uh, you know, don't quote me on that. I probably said it all wrong. I probably said the wrong word in, in particular, but basically it's her, you know, she can't go past a certain spot on her porch or on her property. She's scared to leave the house. Um, not so much the house, but her property in general. And she can't, you know, she'll go to get the paper and she won't take one step past where she goes to get the paper off her property. Um, so her character's got this crazy arc to it, which I like. Um, you know, she's not a she's not an underdeveloped character her acting's very uh is very weird which you know it makes her character weird but i, I love her acting in the film <clears throat> and um naomi watts basically you know she comes back home to, to to gatlin to be the town you know to help the town doctor and stuff like that and she just wants to get on her feet and go back to school and this that, and the other but you know her she's got a sister and a, and a brother there but you know the plot twist at the end spoiler alert is that her sister is actually her daughter and you know she had to give her up to get her shit together whatever the case may be now <clears throat> the children here do do some killing but for the most part, it's the character of Josiah, you know, the, the antagonist, the boy preacher. The one thing about this movie that they added to, you know, the children of corn element is that Josiah is undead. You know, he is at the bottom of a well when we first see him. Half his face is burned up. And, um, you know, there's a there's an old town drunk in the in the um, in the barn and he awakens Josiah and Josiah, you know, he, he brings down with magic, magical powers. He doesn't have to touch anything. He brings down a pitchfork on the guy's arm. He brings down a, a shovel on the guy's stomach. He brings down a machete on his on his on his um, a harvest knife on his dick. He brings down a machete on his arm. You know, he fucks him up and then he grabs a big ass harvest knife again and he cuts his, he cuts his entire head off. But then you see Josiah afterwards, he's like burning the body and he's doing like he's, he's putting like a cross uh, uh, made out of blood on his hand and he's lighting his hand on fire and doing some type of voodoo magic. It's a really the atmosphere. <clears throat> this film has the best atmosphere in the entire series. It feels like a horror movie, man. The movie is scary as shit, at least for me. Um. You know, because it plays out like a supernatural slasher film, man. Even when you don't see Josiah doing the killing, um, you know, there's a scene where uh, Brent Jennings' wife gets murdered in in her son's bedroom, and you don't see it, but you see her screaming, and she puts her hand out, and you just see there's a camera angle of a of the harvest knife just swinging, and it cuts her fingers off, but then you just see blood splashing against the the sun splashing against the 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 windows where the kids are outside and speaking of the kids man one of the things i absolutely love about this movie is they took what they did in the second movie as far as like the kids you know the corn and the dust spreading all over the fields and fucking with the kids they took it a step further by once Josiah is resurrected, the kids in town in Gatlin start getting fevers. They start getting fevers. They start getting really sick. They start naming themselves after dead children of the town. And what else happens is their teeth start falling out. So you got, <clears throat> excuse me, Naomi Watts' character, Grace, 
going to the hospital. The hospital is flooded with parents bringing their sick, feverish children in there. The children don't, you know, the children are so out of it. They're almost zombie-like. And it's just like, it's almost like an epidemic in itself. And it's really fucking creepy to see the, how these kids in the town transition into these, into these, uh, these, these cult followers, man. And, um, you know, there, there's some decent kills in this movie, man. There's a kill where the two twin boys, um, uh scott and i can't remember the other kid's name but you know they're they're on a gurney you know they're they're one's pushing the other twin on a gurney they cut the doctor on the head and then the gurney comes back without the kids and the doctor can't go anywhere because he can't get through the door and a, bl a big ass blade comes out of the gurney and cuts the doctor in half like it's some cool scenes in here man the big ass harvest knife goes flying into uh the character of mary ann's head you know it's it's a crazy supernatural slasher man but it's it's terrifying in some scenes man there's a naomi watts has a dream sequence where she sees josiah in just regular human form but he looks kind of sick and he disappears and then they cut to the, they cut to naomi watts and when they cut back to the the, the bedroom um you see somebody tiptoeing but their feet are hooves they're fucking hooves, and I'm, when they showed that in the trailer, I'm like, yo, I don't know what's going on in this movie, but it's creeping me the fuck out, man. And um, the barn sequence where, you know, they, they have to find Josiah, and they spike the shotgun shells with mercury because that's what killed Josiah when he, you know, uh, that's what they poisoned him with, the townspeople, before he, you know, came back undead and all that type of stuff. You know, the fact that they spike the shells, and they're trying not to shoot kids, and, you know, the kids are just they're they're standing over this pool and they're cutting their hands and they're letting the blood drip into the pool and they start chanting we bring them our flesh it's kind of like in part two when they chant um you know when they they uh, uh micah cuts their hands and he says we are one we are one and they're chanting it's crazy they're chanting man because they you know they're saying we bring them our flesh it's like god damn but um even in shadow um josiah is creepy as shit because he keeps rushing out at grace and she keeps shooting him and she she ultimately defeats him and it's not really a happy ending uh because you know grace lost her mother and stuff like that but they do drive off i'm not gonna say into the sunset but they drive off at the end and that's that you know um brent jennings character saves his son and uh margaret is saved and you know every everybody's cool at the end of the day but this is hands down my second favorite movie in the series and it's the only movie that's actually scary at the end of the day uh there's no movie that comes close to the atmosphere and just the overall just creepy vibe that children of corn 4 has man so big ups to children of corn 4 man i know i spent way more time than i should have on that now moving on children of the corn 5 fields of terror 1998 this movie holds a very special place in my heart, man, and I will get to why, but I, I just really wanted to put that out there, and it's not because of certain casting choices in this film, but um, mainly because of how these characters are written and how these characters are portrayed, and you don't really get too much of that in a Children of the Corn movie. Well, you do, but you don't expect it because you had char two characters you rooted for in the first one. You had characters you rooted for in the second. The third one, uh, maybe three characters max uh the fourth one cool you know what i take that back you do have characters that you root for at least i do in a children of corn movie they're not always written terribly um but these are probably the characters i cared about the most i'll just say that now children of corn 5 was uh written and directed by ethan wiley and it stars stacy galena as allison alexis arquette rest in peace shout out to alexis arquette man he was such an underrated actor man um <clears throat> who plays greg 
Uh, Eva Mendez, again, another na big name who started in Children of Corn and went off to have an amazing career. I was just watching her in um, The Other Guys, where she played Will Ferrell's wife. She plays Keir, uh, Greg Vaughn, who plays Ty, Fred Williamson. Jesus, man, Fred Williamson was always already established at that point, but he plays, um, off, you know, Officer Skaggs. David Carradine, like, what? You got a casting steal like David Carradine to play Luke. Kane Hodder's got a cameo in this movie as the bartender. Uh, I met Zappa. I don't know if anybody remembers I met Zappa. I think he was like a, a, a VJ for MTV or something like that. I used to love that guy's energy. He, he kind of gave me Billy Zane vibes in, in, in a lot of different ways. And then you had Adam Wiley who plays Ezekiel. Now, no diss to Adam Wiley. He is probably the least effective um, uh, boy preacher antagonist that I've seen in the movies that I actually caught up with in this series. I don't like him at all uh, as as the, the boy preacher because he reminds me of Eric Bates from The Toy. I can't remember that actor's name, but he literally reminds me of Eric Bates from the fucking toy. Um, but moving on. Um, this movie, like I said, holds a special place in my heart because of these characters. Uh, the, char the characters of Allison, Greg, Keir, and Ty, they are four friends who have an urn full of their friends' ashes who committed suicide. Or, it was, you know, that's the plot to us. He committed suicide. They thought it was a bungee jumping incident. But he ultimately killed himself. And he is the ex-boyfriend of Eva Mendez's character, Keir. But, you know, they're driving into town to spread the ashes and honor their friend. They ultimately t take a wrong turn. And I think it's funny because I met Zappa's character and his girlfriend, Charlotte. They're, they're, they're first in line, basically. So, um, you know, Alexis Arquette and them are following them. But, um, what I met, I met Zappa's doing is strapping inflatable sex dolls to these road signs and pointing them in the direction that they're going in so they can follow them the right way. But, um, what happens is I met Zappa and his, and his girlfriend. You know, his girlfriend, for some fucking reason, when he's strapping, a, um, you know, he's pointing the doll in one direction. His girlfriend just up and gets out the car and disappears to go in the cornfield to gather up, you know, ears of corn. It's like, what the like, who the fuck does that shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, thank God it wasn't the era where cell phones was all crazy because it's like I would have text my girl. No, fuck that. I would call my girl like, yo, like, uh, where'd you go? Like, you just went out into the cornfield to just get some dinner or something like, no, we've got ears of corn at the crib. I'm cool off that shit, but you know, you know what happened. She goes into the cornfield. She gets her ass sliced up by the kid, Jared. He's like, probably like that kid looks like he's like 21 amongst teenagers in that, uh, in that children's corn movie. He's tall as hell, probably the tallest actor in, in the movie. But, um, you know, she gets sliced the fuck up in that jaw. Uh, she doesn't even die right away. So that's probably how, you know, like she was probably in shock. But what happens is I met Zappa sees the kids surrounding her and sees Ethan Wiley kind of scolding the character Jared. He's like, what if she wasn't alone? Did you think of that? Find that guy that just ran off and made all that noise and couldn't be conspicuous. So they're chasing. I met Zappa in the cornfield. And what happens is one of the kids grabs him and pushes him backwards um, into one of those big ass harvest knives. And he doesn't even die. Um, what happens is the kid Jared, you know, he, he looks down at the knife in his, in his, in his chest, sticking out his chest. And he's like, that doesn't look right. And then. The kid Jared swings an axe at him. You don't see it, but you just see the blood fly, and you know it's a rat. But basically, the the uh, our our main four, our quartet, take a you know they 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 take a turn, and the car gets fucked up in the cornfield. So they go to a bar in town, and then they're just like, um, you know, yeah, who is 
you know, where where do we go from here? They get a couple beers, and then Kane Hodder's like, you know, or not Kane Hodder, but there's a guy in there who's actually in Children of Corn Six, and he's like, yeah, man, the kids at the end right place, they worship he who walks behind the rose, and then you see Allison knows something, something triggers her like that when she hears he who walks behind the rose. So you have this mission basically in the movie where Stacy Galina's character Allison wants to find her brother Jacob because her brother ran away from their abusive drunk piece of shit father and he went to join a cult like most teenagers do you know it's 2021 it's not out of the ordinary people but the thing about this movie while you know the kids are murdering people and um you and that's one thing i forgot to mention you do see um adam wiley's character ezekiel you do see him get possessed in the beginning of the movie he's not a human boy preacher he gets possessed he's regular and then he's at this campfire that's in the in the in the um cornfield somewhere and then it just lashes out at him and goes into his chest and then you see his eyes all fiery and shit like that and he's just evil he's possessed at that point but um basically the reason why this movie stands out and it's got some really good effects i love that the kids are the kids are almost like the grown-up versions of Children of the Corn because they're run the way that they chase these motherfuckers in the cornfield, the way that they are just relentlessly pursuing these four characters in this film is great. But I love the way these characters are written, man. I, these characters have my heart more than any of the characters, the main character, the main cast of characters in this series, man. Stacy Galena, you know, Alexis Arquette has a crush on her, but you know they're best friends. They don't take it there. You can tell they want to, but they don't for the sake of the film. Um, Eva Mendez's character Kier and Greg Vaughn's character Ty, they fuck around, have a one night stand, and she, uh, Eva Mendez is cold blooded in this John because, you know. Uh, Ty basically has his moment where he tells, you know, Kier, he's like, listen, uh, about last night, she's like, yeah. And he's like, you know, it, it wasn't just a one night stand for me. And she's like, well, I'm sorry, Ty, that, that's all it was for me. And she just walks off and I'm like, damn, bruh, she just used you for the D and just walked off. But in reality, it's fucking Eva. You got smutted by Eva Mendez, dog. That is an accomplishment in life. You should be proud of something like that. But I, I love these characters, man, because they're not written poorly i love all four of these characters fred williamson i love his character as just the he's the very stern um you know he's not even an officer he's the sheriff he's a very stern black sheriff man i love his character in the film david carradine's just very laxed in this movie you could tell either he was just getting a check or he was just that comfortable in the role as luke and you know luke is not all he appears to be at the end of the movie apparently he's a demon his head fucking head splits open and a little mini dragon comes out whatever that shit is and spits fire in fred williams's face and blows the back of his head off it's an insane movie man they take the insane elements of like some of the insane elements of part three and part four but they don't go as crazy with it um the death scenes are are pretty decent. They're pretty violent. There's this girl who's always angry. She kind of looks like Elijah Dushku in the film. She's one of the main children in the film, but she slices this cop. There's both. There's two up ver uh, versions of this movie. There's the the I guess the theat well not the theatrical but just the regular version and the unrated version. The unrated version. There's a scene where this girl I'm talking about. The cop hears a sound and he runs and the camera's rolling and when he turns the corner, she slices his throat and you see the blood just spray all over the place. And it's like, yo, he was already going to die. And then she starts stabbing him in the stomach. It's it's insane, man. But then, you know, that the ending, the ending doesn't make sense. The ending doesn't make sense, man, because allison's brother jacob you know he ends up dying because they they string him up because they want him you know when you turn 18 they want you to jump into the eternal flame 
um, and kill yourself, basically, so you can join He Who Walks Behind the Rose. But Jacob doesn't do it. And, you know, he's got a pregnant girlfriend and his girlfriend wants to stay with her family. But Jacob betrays basically the children and they fuck him up and they string him up and they stab him. Uh, uh, Ezekiel stabs him. But he ends up bleeding out and dying from the stab wound. Now, the the girlfriend has the baby. And, you know, when it's all said and done, and then at the because um, Ezekiel gets thrown into the eternal flame by Allison and his ass is, is done. Uh, the rest of the people die. Alexis Arquette, uh, you know, sacrifices himself to kill a couple of the kids. Eva Mendez sacrifices herself by jumping into the eternal flame like an asshole. Greg Vaughn's character, Ty, ends up getting his throat cut by one of those um, one of those kids. So Allison and, you know, the girl, the pregnant girlfriend of her brother make it out. And then, then at the end. You know, the, the parents are like, yeah, she's not old enough to raise a child. Thank you, Allison. And Allison's singing like Hush Little Baby and all of this stuff. And then the baby's eyes just start glowing this, and with that fury, eternal flame, the same way that Ezekiel's were in the beginning of the film. And I'm like, so it's a baby of the corn? Like, I, I, I just didn't understand the fucking ending at all. And, you know, again, this could function as a standalone movie. It has nothing to do with four, has nothing to do with six. There are no references of Isaac. The only thing that these movies really have in common overall is the town of Gatlin. That's it, is the town of Gatlin. Th these are standalone films, people. I'm telling you, you could watch any of these movies and really not, except six, and really not have to have seen anything prior or anything after. Now... Moving on, but like I said, uh, I, I do give credit where it's due because I love these characters, the, the four characters, uh, the main characters, man, I, I have, to, the, they are the best written characters uh, as, as far as the protagonists go in the entire series for me. Now, moving on, a year later, 1999, we got Children of the Corn 666, Isaac's Return. Now, I remember seeing this, uh, you know, I had a bootleg ball that I used to go to. I used to get my bootleg, you know, uh, movies from my ball down uh, when I was down South Philly. Ellsworth and Federal, you know, he was in a check cashing spot. And uh, I used to go over there and I remember I was like, Children of Corn 6. I'm like, Isaac died. But I said, fuck it. We'll try it out. Now, this movie... Uh, and for anybody that lost me, Isaac was the boy preacher, the antagonist of the original Children of the Corn film. Now, this was directed by Carrie Scoglin. is written by John Franklin, Isaac himself, and Tim Solka. Now, this movie stars uh, Natalie Ramsey, who plays Hannah, the main uh, protagonist. She was also in Cherry Falls. Did a review for Cherry Falls if y'all want to check that out. Nancy Allen had a crazy crush on Nancy Allen back in the day um, when she was... Uh, you know, in RoboCop and Poltergeist 3, ooh la la. But she plays Rachel. She plays uh, Hannah's mother. John Franklin is back as Isaac. Alex Caromze plays Cora. I love her. She's in Mimic 1, Mimic 2. I wish she was in so many more movies, man. I, I love Alex Caromze. Um, Stacey Keish plays Michaels, who I think was in class in 1999. And you got Paul Popowicz, who plays Gabriel, who has one of the craziest plot twists um, in the entire movie. Now, speaking of that plot twist... I, I think I have to backtrack for a second. I don't know if I mentioned this already, and my mistake if I didn't. One of the plot twists in Children of Corn 4 that they wrote out for Josiah, there was a scene that was in the movie that they took out. And I'm like, why would y'all do this? Josiah was actually he who walks behind the rose in Children of Corn 4, but they removed that scene from the movie, and I'm just like, why the fuck would y'all do that? But I'm going to bring that, I'm going to make that come full circle here, because I said Gabriel has a, a the character Gabriel has a crazy plot twist. Now, with Children of the Corn 6, this is a movie um, I appreciate very much. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Uh, while it's not my 
while it's not my favorite, uh, I appreciate the continuity. I appreciate the return of Isaac. Um, this is the one that goes hand in hand with the first movie. If you're going to watch the first movie, you could easily skip over two, three, four, and five and go straight into part six. It, it, it syncs up pretty well, even though John Franklin is the only returning character from that movie. But, um, basically Isaac wasn't, you know, he hasn't been dead after we last saw him in the first movie. He's been in a coma for 19 years, but what awakens him is this character, Natalie Ramsey's character, Hannah, she comes into town of Gatlin to basically find her mother. Um, and you know, there's all of this prophecy and your birthright type of thing, which adds to the creep factor, because when people when she comes into town, people already know who she is and she has no idea. She picks up a a preacher, uh, the guy, the same guy that was spitting the he who walks behind the rose gems in part five. I guess that's continuity right there. Um, you know, if you want to call it that. But, um, you know, he just up and disappears. And, of course, Hannah crashes into the cornfield and, you know, the cop, uh, Alex Gromze is a cop and she comes and she's like, oh, my God, it's Hannah. We got to bring you into town right away. You got to see the town doctor. This is not up for debate. So the town doctor knows who she is. Gabriel knows who she is. Um, everybody, even the kid, the children of the children. That's one of the other things I like about this movie. The kids in this film are the kids of the kids in the original film children of the children and gabriel actually tells hannah that in the film and i'm like whoa i'm like that's awesome that is you know that's continuity for your ass now this movie doesn't have a lot of death scenes in it um i know stacy keach's character uh he gets electrocuted by isaac when isaac you know isaac wakes up on that bullshit he's like wait where am i how long have i been asleep she's like 19 years you have a son isaac which doesn't make any fucking sense like did they like did they get his shit up while he was in a coma and then just had a chick just you know ride him and then you know he just happened to just bust a nut while he was in a coma and now he's got a son 19 years later whatever you know whatever man but isaac wakes up he's like i got a son oh my god let me get my hat let me get my preacher outfit cool i'm back on my bullshit and he right back on that preacher boy shit love you know putting candles out with his hand and preaching talking about some i don't have a soul he electrocutes stacy quiche in one scene um i really can't remember too many other death scenes the movie is very i, I will say this the movie is not badly written um and i don't mind that the kills you know maybe i'm biased because i did a lot of preaching about how um the first movie was such a slow burn, but this movie, I guess with being as though I went through part two, three, mainly three, four and five. Um, I don't mind that they take time out to focus on the story and it's not a shit ton of kills in this film. One kill that is crazy in this movie is um, Isaac's son's girlfriend. You know, they catch them both trying to run away um, and they bring him to the clearing and Isaac cuts his girlfriend in fucking half. You know, he cuts her in half and the effect is crazy. Before she splits in half, they show like a close up on her face. And I guess the prosthetic just looks so insane on this actress that it looks like he really cut this bitch in half and her body falls in half. And then, you know, another death scene is self-inflicted. Isaac's son actually puts the harvest knife down on the ground. He sits it upright and he falls on it, which is a it's a hard scene to watch, like because it's in slow motion and they prolong it. Uh, a lot and he falls in slow motion on the harvest knife and impales himself it reminded me of when jeremy sisto killed himself in the beginning of that movie hideaway underrated film with jeremy sisto and jeff goldblum alicia silverstone alfred melina but um nonetheless like i said uh the the thing i like most about this movie is the continuity the return of isaac the 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 ongoing story the the, the characters but the ending is very fucking crazy for me it's not like a crazy just children of corn 3 ending but the ending of this film 
is so insane for me because the revelation they come up with, you know, it was all of this uh, birthright and the prophecy type of thing will be fulfilled. But there is a scene where Hannah gets away and Gabriel saves her. They end up having sex under, you know, in the farm, in the shower or in the barn, rather, in the shower. And, um, you know, Isaac's got Hannah's mom kidnapped and, you know, Gabriel and Hannah um, go into the barn and find her mother. So they want to rescue the mother. And Gabriel's kind of looking at Isaac like, you motherfucker, like you knew that such and such was supposed to happen. And Hannah's just looking around like, wait, what are y'all talking about? And then we realize if we didn't realize it before that Gabriel has magic powers. You know, he makes he turns basically. um Isaac into a marionette doll and he's like he's got his hand over his head and he's like uh, maneuvering him like a puppet and the way Isaac is moving um you could tell the actor John Franklin has strings attached to him or wires but he, the way he's moving is pretty creepy and uh you know when he does that to Isaac he even says on your knees bitch and then he just starts treating him like a marionette doll and he's enjoying it he's got a big ass gleeful smile on his face and then um you know, Hannah's mother, Nancy, uh, Nancy Allen looks at him. She's like, he who walks behind the rose. Oh my God. And, and, uh, Hannah's like, who the fuck is he who walks behind the rose? And Gabriel turns to her and he says me, and you find out Gabriel's he who walks behind the rose. It's crazy. So your baby daddy is no, none other than he who walks behind the rose. And then, you know, she ends up stabbing him. Gabriel ends up blowing the whole place up. And, you know, it's a really insane ending. And, be that as it may, I do appreciate the, uh, you know, this could have easily been the last children in the corn film. It would have been crazy to see how this child grows up and asks, like, who's my father? Oh, well, your father was he who was behind the rose. I'll, I'll talk to you about that. Let me break out this bottle of bourbon. You're old enough to drink type of shit. It would have had to been one of those types of situations because the ending is just so strange, man. But the movie overall is, um, <coughs> excuse me, is not bad at all. Now, Moving on, because we are almost an hour up into this beach. Whoo, this is where the series lost me, man. I'm not going to lie to y'all. It's, it's about to get very brief at this point, man, just so I can wrap this sheet up. Um, 2001, uh, number seven, Children of the Corn Revelation. It was directed by Guy McGar. McGar. It was written by S.J. Smith, and uh, it stars Claudette Mink as Jamie. Michael Ironside, who's a cast in steel for a Children of the Corn film, as the priest and crystal Lowe, who plays tiffany i really want to say she changed her name but crystal Lowe, if nobody knows was she was basically the margot kidder type of character in the black christmas remake in 2006 and she also was in final destination 3 she was uh not the blonde haired girl but the other the darker haired girl who got burned to death in the tannin bed and cl clearly and she was also in wrong turn too clearly crystal Lowe is an actress who has no problem getting naked on screen who doesn't mind that? She's a trooper. She's like a modern day Linnea Quigley. Good for her. Now, I'm not going to lie to y'all, man. Children of Corn Revelation, I've seen it once or lack thereof. It's one of those movies that came on like HBO or Cinemax back in the day. Um, and I remember watching it and the movie pretty much watched me because I'm like, this is one of the most boring fucking entries I've ever seen in my life. This is the entry that literally lost me and I lost all interest in really invested in this series whether they were batshit in you know batshit crazy sequels or not um this one was just boring i heart only all i remember is a dead guy's a black guy's dead head in like a refrigerator or something 
I remember one of the weakest, you know, I'll give uh, Adam Wiley's Ezekiel Boy Preacher character a pass, a big pass compared to this motherfucker who was in, uh, you know, who was in Children of Corn Revelations, who was the boy preacher. He is just so non-existent, ineffective. I know the plot for it was something like a woman goes to investigate a murder or investigate her, like some shit she's going to investigate. The movie just does not feel like a Children of the Corn film at all. I don't know if it was just, you know, they had Dimension Films had to meet a quota on some Hellraiser shit like, all right, we got to make three more movies within the next three years or we just won't meet this quota and we'll never get to make another Children of Corn movie again. I just feel like it was a cop out film, man, because you could have easily called it something else and people wouldn't have hated it as much. But you had to cash in off the name and get that straight to DVD money, which y'all didn't really deserve because that movie was a boring piece of shit. And no disrespect to the the actors and actresses involved in it. Um, but it was just it was just a sleeper, man. It was a bad sleeper. And it was crazy that Michael Ironside even signed up for something like this. But, you know, you've got um he was already established by then he was established back when scanners came out for god's sakes probably before then but um i feel like if you had a cast in steel like michael ironside you would have wanted to make a better film overall but i guess that just wasn't in the cards for them so it ain't in the cards for me to elaborate any further man it's it's not a good movie it's one of the weakest sequels i've talked about um up until this point and you know we're moving on to another weak sequel which i can kind of give a pass um to as far as the one you know as far as revelation goes but it's still bad uh children of the corn genesis 2011 this movie came out i remember getting this dvd i said all right genesis we about to go back to the beginning huh let's see what we can pull off man y'all got a lot of splaining to do this movie was written and directed by joel swayson and it stars Tim Rock as Tim, uh, Kellen Coleman as Ali, Billy Drago as the preacher. You know, that's your casting steel right there. Uh, Dwayne Whitaker plays Pritchett. Dwayne Whitaker, he was in, you know, Dust Till Dawn and uh, Pulp Fiction, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. He's he's in a lot of films, man. Dwayne Whitaker, I like him as a character actor. Um, this movie is also very weird because while it is a Children of the Corn Genesis film, there are no children in the corn murdering kids. It's a supernatural movie. This is another one of those films where you did not have to call this a Children of the Corn movie. Again, you're just trying to cash in and put asses in the seats at home and just make some money off of these DVD sales, man. It's another cop-out. But they've got that hot chick from Hostel. You know, the one that's like, you don't like cigarette? I put away. You know, the one that Jay Hernandez was fucking in the movie. It's got her in it. And she's pushing up on Tim Rock while he's on the phone trying to call for a tow truck and all of this shit while his girlfriend's, his pregnant girlfriend's in the other room. She's horny as fuck. And this is supposed to be Billy Drago's uh, uh, wife or girlfriend in the movie because, you know, Tim and Ali are a couple and, you know, they get stranded or whatever happens and they come across this little barn, this farmhouse, and they find Billy Drago and the, the chick from Hostel in there. And, you know, Billy Drago's just, he's Captain Exposition in this movie. He's just, he who walks behind the roses, basically, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm just doing what they paid me to do and reading from the script. It's like, none of this shit means anything. Now, maybe the exposition does. Maybe I'll go back and watch it if I get bored or drunk enough. I don't know. I doubt it. But none of this shit means anything. You know, I don't even really remember the ending. I remember a little kid playing with toy cars and, uh, you know, a car crash actually happening on the highway. But the film is just boring. You know, 
as much as you want to root for this guy and his pregnant girlfriend, it's like you kind of don't give a fuck whether they make it out of there or not because there's nothing happening. So there's no threat for me to be afraid for for their safety. You know what I mean? It's again, it's another cop out of a film, but I give it a pass um, because I probably remember more about that one. And that's not saying much than I do um children of corn revelation but again genesis was just not a good entry and i'm not saying that we are you know talking about the most uh extravagant sequels after part two or after part four or even part five for that matter or six I'm, listen we're not talking about the most extravagant series overall but i'm just saying if you're gonna make a children of corn film have children in the corn this shit has nothing to do with anything at all i feel like this was something that they they came up with in the board meeting and they're like you know what nobody's gonna buy this dvd nobody's gonna watch this fucking movie what can we do with the rewrites and somebody raised their hand it's like yes you and he's like we can throw in he who walks behind the rose it's like got it you get a raise and you get a raise for helping him with that idea let's call it children of corn genesis you know let's fool people and then they added that opening and that exposition from billy drago's character nah it's a cop-out film man no disrespect again to the director or anybody involved i just don't enjoy this movie at all now moving on number nine we're almost done people i promise y'all uh we are officially an hour into this so yeah we're about to wrap this up um children of corn uh the remake came out in 2009 wait how the fuck did i go from 2011 to 2009 i, I have no idea um whatever man I, i've got my dates fucked up y'all can tell i'm going just as off the rails as this fucking series has i got my my years mixed up and all of that children of the corn you know the tv version i should have put that first but uh you know genesis came out after but you know 2009 is when this tv remake came out now this was directed by donald b borchers and it was written by um, Donald P. Borchers. I'm, I'm losing it, people. Hold up. Give me one second, people. Let me. I'm going to polish off this coffee one second. All right. I feel like I got my electrolytes light once again. Oh, okay. We're going to make it, people. We are going to make it. Now, David Anders plays this version's movie of uh, Bert. And uh, Candace McClure plays Vicky. Preston Bailey pr plays Isaac. Almost said praise. Um, Candace McClure was actually. I recently saw her in the Mother's Day remake with um, Larique Bent with uh, Rebecca De Mornay. I love her in that movie. I like her as an actress altogether. Um, this movie, I, I remember watching it once. I remember the highlights of this being, of course, Candace McClure on screen, but. I really enjoyed Malachi. I'm mad that I did not write down the actor's name. I Malachi, if he wasn't intimidating before and imposing as one of Children of Corn, he's he's like a bigger, he's like Courtney Gaines on steroids a little bit in this movie. But Isaac was kind of, if I remember correctly, Preston Bailey was a child. Like he was really a kid in that film. But um, those stand out. Uh, Malachi and Vicky in this movie stand out. I, I like them on screen. And um, another thing that stands out is Bert in this movie ain't fucking around. I remember him breaking one of the kids' necks in the cornfield so they couldn't scream out and, and you know, yell like Outlander or whatever. But um, one of the things that also stood out in this movie was the fact that Vicky is killed in this film. Uh, Candace McClure's character is actually killed off, and I did not expect that. I think when that happened, I was ready to just stop watching it altogether. But um, again, overall, this is a movie, this is a remake that I 
didn't really feel like was strong enough, man. Um, maybe I'll go back and watch it. I don't know, because I've only seen it once. And even when I watched it, I was kind of like in and out because I would like go in the kitchen and do something and come back. And then I would go to do this and then come back. But um, this is a movie. I This is the one in the series I want to go back and watch the most, because while I say the first one is overrated and it's boring um, and it's a very slow burn, I feel like there are more things I could appreciate about this this made for TV remake than I than I expect, um, because it is way more vicious. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, Vicky's death or I think I don't know if they show her death, but they do find he does find her body. And, you know, just the idea of snapping necks in the in the um, cornfields, which is realistic, because, look. Ain't no everybody ain't gonna fuck around and play with these kids, man. It's the same thing as real life. This is one of the reasons why adults are stealing off and fucking up these kids now. You know what I'm saying? Because these kids don't know how to act. You know what I'm saying? And and kids are not, if you're old enough to cut up, you know, in this in this in the case of this series, literally, if you're old enough to, 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 to cut up, not even metaphorically, you old enough to get that ass beat or get that neck snapped. You know what I'm saying? I'm personally, I would not fuck around with those kids. I'm whooping ass. And if y'all trying to kill me, if my life is at stake, then all will be forgiven. God knows my heart. And fuck he who walks behind the rose because he ain't going to save y'all at the end of the day. Now, I will go back and this will be the one I go back and watch. The Children of Corn 2009, um, you know, uh, uh, remake. Now, uh, Children, uh, number 10, Children of Corn Runway came out in 2018. Written by Joel Swayson and directed by john golger i i have nothing to say about this movie because i i didn't see it and i remember they were advertising it i had no interest in seeing it so i'm not even going to really elaborate on that film um i know it's garbage i know it is there there's no reason for me to watch it uh and i know there's people out there like well if you didn't watch it how can you form an opinion it's like listen i my gut my instinct Show me your instincts. It shows me that I, there's no need for me to watch this film at all. So moving on. Um, there was a remake that was recently made. Um, it, they dropped it uh, either last month or early this year. Um, I, f- I fucking forgot the name of it. Uh, Children of the Corn. Uh, I, I don't fucking know. Children of the Corn, Cream Corn. I don't know. But it was uh, written and directed by Kurt Wimmer. And Kurt Wimmer, funny enough, is the, he was the writer on the movie Equilibrium. He was the writer on the Total Recall remake, uh, Law Abiding Citizen, the Point Break remake. So he's got a thing for remakes and reboots and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, you know, this the, 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 the Children of the Corn that just dropped, you know, the, 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 the boy preacher is replaced with a girl. I get it. It's PC culture, but just the, the poster they dropped alone just looked so fucking photoshopped and just terrible. And I remember posting it in the Cinemaniacs group, shout out to them. And everybody was like, yo, this is, this looks like a fan poster that somebody just photoshopped in two seconds. And I'm like, yeah, man, this is bad. Um, if you're not even trying to like, take me back to the days where movie posters got us excited as shit. Um, nowadays, I think they just do, you know, they, they stick with simplicity and it's just like, oh, well, it's a children of corn movie, man. They're going, they're going to flock to the TVs and streaming services regardless. Right. Right. But then they got to take a step back and realize who they fucking with. Y'all have fucked us over with this series for way too long. You know what I think it's time for? I think it's time for Stephen King to vouch for, you know, like he's been vouching for Dark Tower and The Stand and It Chapter One, Chapter Two. All, you know, it's the Stephen King remake renaissance. I think it's time for the man himself to vouch for a true Children of the Corn remake. I would even be cool if they conform to the and y'all know I don't like when people conform to trends. 
but I would be cool. This is a case where I'd be cool if they conform to the trend of direct sequels. Now, I know we've had a direct sequel pretty much in Children of Corn 6. That was a direct sequel to the first one. But what if they did another one? You know, what if they did or did not bring John Franklin back? And what if they shit what if they did a, a a direct sequel to part two i would be cool with either or but either a direct sequel or a remake is time man because this series i'm not gonna this is not one of those series like puppet master or leprechaun that i feel like they should just not make any more of these fucking movies fuck a remake or any of that stuff they should just let it die this is not a series i would say that because people love creepy kids you know they love brahm and they love um insidious and sinister they love mo- the orphan and all that type of stuff they love movies with creepy ass kids that is a big ass market in horror right now and um even in art house horror films uh i just recently you know y'all can check my commentary out for hereditary i gave it an eight and a half out of ten uh, it's a well-made film but that little girl is creepy as fuck in that movie and she's not even murderous she actually dies spoiler alert in that movie but um you know, even in art house horror films, creepy kids sell right now. They are on the block. So they need to jump on this wave. If they want to save the Children of the Corn brand overall, the series, if you want to salvage anything that's left from this series, I'm telling y'all, reboot this shit the right way. Give it a theatrical release, put some TLC up into this bitch. And really take the time out to make a creepy, you know, um, take notes from what they did with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, it is a the first, you know, miniseries was a movie. I didn't know they could improve on that. Like when I was a kid, but as I even as an adult, it's like the, the special effects are so dated. Um, the visual effects rather are so dated, but I still love both chapter one and chapter two of that miniseries, man. I, I love it. Um, the, the one where they're adults more so than when they're kids, but what Andy uh, Muschietti did with the new It Chapter 1 and Chapter 2 as a Stephen King adaptation, I think he did an amazing job, man. You could hire somebody like that to helm because obviously he does well with, with uh, you know, writing ch- child characters. So who's to say this guy couldn't jump on board for another Stephen King property and, you know, turn that child, you know, that child writing narrative on his ear and make these murderous children of the corn, man. I, th- I think that's the way to go. Um I say a reboot more than a direct sequel because a direct sequel you gotta you there are certain liberties you probably can't take and you have to tread a little more lightly than you would with just a straightforward reboot a reboot you can kind of go back to the drawing board and you know you can do you can take way more liberties just certain there's certain things you can pull off with a with a reboot as opposed to a um direct sequel but you know i Children of Corn overall is a series, like I said, it's all over the goddamn place, and you know, it, it's got is it's really got some bad apples. I feel like the movie, the series overall, and as much as I like a lot of these sequels, the movies the movie series overall has way more misses than it does hits, man. It's it's um it's more all over the place than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series is, man. And that's a that's a tough act to follow because that series doesn't really have any continuity at all if you unless you count maybe one, two, and three. Um, but you never know, man. I I really hope they, they can get it together because it's a, it's a property that you can do so much with, man. You could literally make a trilogy out of this and who knows if the trilogy is, is fire and you've got consistency and you've got things that just jump out at people and just catch them by storm, then you could easily, you know, you could easily, um, uh, turn this into something amazing again, man. Cause I feel like it really hasn't had 
quality since Children of the Corn 2. And that's not just because that's my favorite. Yeah, it's because it's my favorite. Let me let me not even lie. It's because that's my favorite entry in the franchise. <clears throat> you have to two will always be the hardest act to follow for me, hands down. Um, but, uh, you know, we survived the Gatlin massacre, people. I definitely need some more coffee because I didn't know we were going to be one minute in, or not one minute. God damn. Y'all can tell I'm being run ragged by talking about this, uh, you know, these crazy ass chillings out here, man. But I didn't know we were going to be an hour and 14 minutes into this, but well worth it, man. I, y'all know I'm going to be tagging Charlize Theron and Ryan Ballman and, and Naomi Watts and all these, t- all, anybody, Eva Mendez, everybody. And I'm sorry if y'all... They're not going to see my tag on this, but, you know, if y'all see my tag and if if y'all are ashamed of y'all roles in this movie, I apologize. But appreciate the fact that people like me appreciate y'all humble beginnings in these films, man. I, I, I appreciate it, man. I really do. Uh, it's good going back on these films, uh, just horror films in general and seeing these big name celebrities in there. I, I love it so much. But people... I need more coffee, and y'all already know what y'all need. Y'all know what y'all need, and I shouldn't have to remind y'all, but just in the case that I do, and I, you know, I know it's Friday and everything. I know everyone's got shit to do and stuff like that, as we all do. But you know, what y'all need to do, and what y'all already need to know, is that y'all can follow the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Radio Public. Shout out to Anchor. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Romero Tudor. Shout out to the Facebook movie group, The Cinemaniacs. Happy Friday to y'all. Hope y'all have an amazing day, night, whatever. Stay out of trouble. And last but not least, shout out to the two, the reviewers, the listeners, the lovers, the supporters out there. Y'all already know y'all are killing it in the game, man. Y'all, I, listen, man, I see everything. I see everything. I see y'all tuning in. I even went back this morning and looked at the older episodes and y'all are still tuning into those, man. And I, I'm surprised because I didn't have my, like, there's a certain level of confidence that I still kind of don't have with this podcast and shit. But back then it was like I had way more nervousness in my episodes, man. And y'all, the fact that y'all are tuning into the earlier episodes is awesome. It's amazing, man. I appreciate the fuck out of y'all, man. I really do. And y'all already know the love and support that y'all show me, man. I show it back to y'all tenfold and then some. So that being said, people, yours truly, Romero Tudor. Another episode of Tudor Reviews in the can. I'll check y'all on the next one.